Hello and welcome back to the Airbike Podcast. Today we're going through the second part of the UniApp story. Um, and we're going to be following up from last episode. So if you haven't listened to the UniApp story episode one, I'd highly recommend you know, going back and checking that one out. So where did we leave off last episode, Steve? So last episode we kind of covered um, the initial starting of uh, UniApp. And then towards the end, we kind of um, we're, we're in our second year, and we're kind of working towards. Um, I think we released version two by then. Yeah. And we had our initial kind of meetings with the university, <coughs> and we were at a bit of a crossroads really because um, we were being told by um, departments at the university to stop doing it because um, it was uh, becoming a bit of a problem for them to keep supporting it. Uh, yet we were getting a lot of user accounts, uh, lo- a lot of user base was building up. Um, I think we had hit maybe four, five, six thousand by then. Um, and it was an exciting time because we, this was kind of our big um, freshers week that was going to come up um, uh, kind of in the next year. So we wanted to see what the user account would be then. Um, yeah, so a bit of a crossroads. Uh, we were a bit demotivated but we also wanted to push forward nice so that summer i guess you worked on uniapp a lot more yeah um kind of prior to <coughs> this summer we 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 got a random email from um a design student his name was pierce and he kind of inquired and um he saw uniapp and he had, had it on his phone and everything and he's really keen on meeting up um and this is our first kind of point of contact with peers um we'll kind of explore and go deeper into this but it was really interesting to get some sort of it wasn't just feedback it was actually this guy wanted to help um and he wanted to help push it forward uh normally the students were just like yeah cool i'll download it i'll use it whereas this guy kind of took initiative and said all right let's do something together and he could bring uh something else which myself and ross didn't have uh which was design um, and a bit more kind of experience around user interface and um, just just kind of making it look nice. <laughs> I think our initial versions were pretty uh, sort of techy. It was, it was a bit like non-intuitive. Well, it, it was sort of intuitive, but it, it just didn't look nice. It didn't look yeah. uh, how we wanted it to in the future. Um, so, yeah, meeting peers was, was fantastic. So yeah. what was your first thoughts on kind of getting another person on board ross uh yeah steve kind of said there is more the creative side in terms of design and uh, user experience and that's something that we didn't have any um real knowledge of at that point uh and that was becoming a more important part of the product we needed to make the product look good we touched upon it last time we, we wanted to drive towards some form of adoption by the university and the way to do that was to make the product look as good as it could and to function as good as it, as it, as good as it could. Yeah. You didn't fancy taking on the uh, design task there? Well, bear in mind, this is like in second or third year at university. Uh, you know, we got a lot on. Um, and we, we felt three was a good number as well. Like it wasn't, it wasn't too many, at that point, it wasn't too many uh, voices or too many mm. opinions. Yeah. Okay. So he sent you the email. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What happened next? Uh, it was, I think there was like a random meetup. I can't remember what the meetup was. Um, it was like some society thing. Uh, 
and it was more just around almost like the startup community very early days it wasn't even called it didn't even call itself a startup community it was just kind of like those interested in tech um and maybe like a bit of entrepreneurism and so yeah we went along to that we met a couple of design people um including peers as as well as a number of his course mates at that time um and yeah and we got chatting about kind of the potential of uniap and what what it could lead to uh and this is kind of the first time we started thinking beyond just kind of what what we had at that point which was fairly good users usage and um fairly loyal fairly loyal users and more as to okay how can we actually turn this into a business and how can we start start monetizing mm. Mm. so at that point you had some fairly substantial user user counts yeah it was it was going and it was growing every day we spoke last time as well about um kind of viral techniques we were using mm-hmm. to help people spread the word just organically and people you know uh, by the by the time we hit third year we weren't doing any real um marketing ourselves we we kind of sat back that that fresh as week and said okay let's see organically how much it does i think we put up a couple of flyers but mo you know we still managed to grow the user count a lot mm. um and that's still continued up until now so obviously you had a very busy second year um form of uni work yeah and everything um what was third year looking like for you what did you was uni kind of challenging there your final year yeah it was um and it was a good opportunity to learn as well uh you're obviously focusing on a main project with a couple of modules along the side uh and we both well i did i did a mobile app as a final year project and steve did a it was a web web app yeah social media management tool so it was it was all like product focused so we were building our products and it was at our time during third year where we were like okay and we're working on other projects with the local agency that um we got internships with the summer before and we we were basically just building products all the time and so for third year we were starting to kind of expand out of uni up and think of other potential products and peers was helping with that and really injecting kind of ideas and and it was at that point kind of the shelf was starting to to form because we would have all these different ideas and we would prototype them. Some were good, some were terrible, some were released. Um, and and yeah, and we started kind of not getting a reputation, but people started thinking of us when they were wanting to get a product built. And it was very local. It was pretty much only on campus, but people were starting to take notice of that. Yeah, UniUp was um, a really good way of people getting in contact with us. Um, we... It was just a platform for people who are like the the whole app industry was kind of booming and people started to get a bit more aware of it and as such the university projects some some of them some of the students there wanted to build a mobile app or wanted to look at using app kind of medium to present their project or whatever it was and because uni app was there and available uh they just reached out to us directly so we had uh, quite a large bunch of kind of inquiries about um you know i saw your app on the app store i just wondered how you got it built and um, what the process was so we had quite a few meetings with different people um on the university campus and one of them eventually became our kind of first um client project um we were kind of it was a, it was a first kind of paid for um development that we had i think ever yep um purely on the basis that we built UniApp. Um, no prior experience, nothing. We just, they had an idea. 
and they had a budget and we just built it for them nice. and that was kind of a real good experience how did that feel to kind of be paid for, for kind of what you guys have been doing in your spare time um it was interesting because at the time it felt quite natural mm. and it felt it felt like it we we kind of started the approach of we shouldn't be doing this for free because you see you saw a lot especially in the early days and, and even now like a lot of people trying to just hire people for for equity or for free um sweat equity so it, yeah for us we always had the approach of we should get paid for our time particularly as time was very limited at that point um and even then it was it was still dirt cheap in comparison to rates like we even we charged today um yeah it was outstandingly cheap at that point yeah so how did that first client go then yeah it was pretty good um at that at that time um in in Fergio, myself and Ross were living together um <laughs> and we'd built like a little almost a little like study or office in a lounge we bought like a couple of desks from ikea um we've got like a nice little setup going on yeah we were really fortunate to have quite a large student house compared to others yeah. and we had basically a spare room that we just decided we i don't think we even asked we just put <laughs> desks in there and decided it was going to be our space it's absolutely freezing like we, we wore hoodies and wrapped up warm but it was really good at uh, point when we were working together we we kind of bounced off each other because we were both quite inexperienced in terms of dealing with client um, requirements and different aspects of of that sort of project so it helped us being in the same room in the same place um, so we could kind of handle that communication and it was a really good learning curve for us um, on dealing with that um, but yeah it was um really good experience and I'm really glad we got paid for it um, but it's point of view now is is very undervalued (laughs) yeah it was also interesting um because as as we got one on board then it kind of we got a second Mm. one on board and third one we didn't do too many it was only one project at a time and they were very small um and we also started getting into the situations where we're kind of presenting it for the first time to a client and getting their reaction and that's again like something we weren't really used to um and i remember this particular time where we presented a product and this this guy that was demoing it just couldn't use a phone like he literally for some reason was struggling to tap on buttons and we were just both there like what's going on <laughs> like looking at each other and it was at that point we kind of realized okay every user you know it, they say like every, treat every user like they're stupid and it's kind of that's that brought it home for us that particular example <laughs> it was hilarious and, and we were both like struggling to contain ourselves in the meeting so airbyte was was formed then yeah it was it was it was kind of unofficial but also fairly official in the fact that we had agreed we were going to start a company with peers at that point um and yeah so some of this work was going through that yeah yeah we wanted to i think we met at peers's place um he lived on uh next to cafe york for those reading listeners um set the scene (laughs) and we met there and we were kind of I remember was going through like different business um, business names and logos, and th- I think we just wanted to build a business because we knew that we peers had had experience doing consulting before, so he's a freelance designer, um, and then we also wanted to offer some services as well, and it just worked well if we just formed the company and pushed everything through that, um, and then it would also provide a basis to have UniApp under Airbyte um, to act as more of a an established company. So it helped us when we were going to pitch or when we were meeting at university. At least they knew that UniApp wasn't just a side project. It was actually just, it was formed by, a, you know, someone who's backed by a limited company. Um, so it added some stability to it. Um, 
so yeah, it, we kind of formed Airbyte in January 2014. Um, and that was, yeah, that was great. And that kind of also established uh, further clients coming to us. And was that overwhelming at the time for either of you? Um, I think it, it started the initial problem with like prioritization. Um, obviously, that was the start of when client projects started to happen. And obviously, we wanted to do them, but we also wanted to build our own stuff. Mm. Um, so it was, it, was that, it was the start of that hard balance, um, which we still struggle with today of internal products versus client work. Um, but it was also quite nice because we were in an environment where there was no pressure on us to grow a successful business. It was like we just wanted to, you know, build some products and enjoy it and try and make a success out of those products. And we also also kind of never agreed on doing the agency model at that point. It was very yeah. much, this just helps to build up a bit of capital in case we need it yeah. to do like promotional stuff. Yeah, it funded... Um, some marketing sprees and uh yeah basically leaflets and t-shirts and, <laughs> and all that jazz yeah um which was good and it, yeah it also added some stability for later on um peers went to uh work kind of full-time on, on uni app stuff so it, it helped uh add some stability there um so yeah we, we kind of reserved those capital that we earned from consulting to basically just work on internal stuff still four years still later going. still kind of same idea just <laughs> big scale <laughs> bigger scale <laughs> how was that that final year did it roll around quick it did yeah before we knew it we were you know we'd graduated basically um and then it became the really important question of what what we're going to do with with this product with uniapp at that point um obviously we felt now you know we didn't know how it would go would it be that they didn't they wouldn't support us anymore because we weren't studying there or would they still support us because we had studied there one at one point um and obviously we needed to go and do the whole graduate thing go and get a job and and learn as much as you can and so for us we we were kind of like okay how do we now form a serious proposal around this as a business and how do we turn this into like a full-time thing potentially and what were you looking like in terms of job aspects so after uni yeah so we were both very fortunate and we got offered um graduate roles at the development agency that we worked with uh over the summer and during third year and yeah that was that was amazing uh really good experience and exposure to loads of different products and different types of businesses and it was it was kind of off the back of that that we were kind of motivated to still continue building this product and still to push it through and we 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 was getting more and more confident that the you know the more we were learning the better that we were becoming that we could potentially provide this as a software solution for universities yeah yeah it, it sort of transitioned the thought of um how to pitch it to universities and what sort of offerings we should um give to them so as part of the the next phase of UniApp, we wanted to provide not just a tool for students. Um, we enhanced the student-like capabilities a huge amount, but we also had plans to um, build onto that, like sort of things like lecture feedback or uh, university attendance systems, something that would provide value to the university itself rather than just for students. Um, and we thought that was the way in to 
ultimately get them to license it or to start using it uh, officially. Um, and it was kind of from the <coughs> experience that we had from other products. Um, we got exposed to lots of different side of things. We managed to go to South by Southwest in Austin and lots of different conferences throughout that kind of final year and after graduation. And that kind of helped us to push those ideas back into the product. Yeah. Um, so at that point, we were kind of thinking, okay, we need to make this product maybe more engaging or a new level of just a new level needs to take it to another level as you know within software you should be embarrassed by your product like every six months and at that point it'd been out for about a year so it was due an upgrade sort of thing yeah um and Piers, you know was still heavily involved and he was kind of the driving force behind U uniapp 3.0 and um the new iteration of of essentially the business and yeah, the university was, um, we made a quite really good connection that still exists today with Henley Business School. And they have sort of an entrepreneurship um, angle that they, they provide for students or alumni, um, where they provide free kind of office space or, or cap like resources available to them to launch their own business. Um, so we took advantage of that. And they have sort of a, we call it the startup shack, but it's pretty much a port cabin um, on one of the side of campuses. So we had our kind of base there, um, and that's where we sort of worked um, from over the summer. And yeah, kind of that's where we gathered or, or met or, or worked, and that was a really good base for us. In um, the shack. In the shack. Which is as bad as it sounds. It's, it's a good space in terms, of, and the idea behind it is really good, mm. um, but it is ultimately a shack. Yeah, well that's good that the, the university can provide that kind of office space yeah and it's quite a good environment because you're there with very similar yeah. people similar minded people um and yeah oh you know some come and go very quickly but some stick around that's cool so what kind of things did did you kind of have planned for that new version of UniApp? so the, the key aims were to drive up engagement um and to provide a number of core features that would that would do that so such as email and integrated uh timetable so it's basically more than just a collection of links. It was, it was meant to be tied and pr provide a lot more value because it would constantly be kind of showing you the latest emails and um, timetable updates. And so users would be naturally going in and out of the app uh, multiple times a day, um, guaranteed, rather than the current usage, which was quite sporadic. Yeah, yeah kind of um, we, we worked around the whole engagement side, as, as Ross said, and we integrated kind of push uh, notifications and automated sort of triggers for that. So before a lecture, student would get notified that a lecture is upcoming, a uh, new email, email comes in. People manage their emails using UniApp rather than their own email um, tool like Outlook, which really surprised us. We didn't realize that this email functionality was going to be as used as fully fledged as it was. Um, and as that, was, that was really good. And they just used UniApp to manage kind of all their angles um, throughout campus, kind of on the go. And that's what we were aiming for. Another core aim was also just to um, focus on the ability to have one code base that supported multiple universities. So we were starting to think now beyond Reading and into maybe other universities. Yeah. yeah. At this stage, we built um, kind of the first back end, I guess, outside of PARS. Yes. Um, so before 
on our previous episode, we talked about PARS and how we utilize that um, for the server side. But this time, we actually built up some knowledge around um, backend technologies. So we used a language called Ruby on Rails, which allowed us to create kind of a framework um, to just build once and distribute it, um, allow us to distribute the app along yeah, lots of different universities without probably an hour or two's work from our side. Yeah, it was mostly just uh, graphic graphical stuff, so logos yep. and uh, color schemes, yep. that sort of thing. And was that successful? Did you get into a place where you could dynamically kind of sell it to another university with not much work on your end? It's uh, a bit of a loaded question. Um, technically, yes, we did. Uh, but it, it came down to the fact that there was a lot of different email providers, a lot of different timetabling systems. So sometimes the integrations would be custom, but we did analysis of this. So we looked at all the kind of universities we wanted to target. We started to form like a strategy as to which ones we wanted to. Um, I think at that point we were kind of going for similar to Reading in size and stature um, or less. And so we, we approached those different types and just saw like what technologies they were using. And then we found like good fits for that that match maybe the current stack that we were already um, targeting. But to be honest, the, the development of 3.0 was actually quite quite diff challenging in general. We were both working full-time jobs. Um, peers at this point had basically graduated that summer and decided uh, he was going to work on this full-time to try and make it into a profitable product. Yep. And so it was very challenging because he had kind of been stewing on these ideas like throughout the days essentially on his own and, and then we would come in the evening and be like yay or nay um we and and that naturally caused a bit of friction in yep. in, the, in just the process in general there was i was quite opinionated into like what students use or don't use um as was everyone else everyone had a good idea of of what they would find useful in this in this product and it kind of differed amongst us. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was very hard um, kind of way of working. It, it wasn't the ideal situation because, yeah, like Ross says, Piers was there kind of full time every day. Um, and he was working on the business angles and that automatically produces new features or new ideas around how we should pitch UniApp. And we hadn't caught up with the development side of the last thing that we were working on. So it's always a bit kind of conflicted around um, the work process and yeah. Yeah, and we started to get a bit shaky as well on like our business strategy, whether it was to sell to universities because obviously that's always, you're sending emails all day and no one's responding because you're maybe not talking to the right person or they're busy or they're away. Uh, so then you're like, okay, maybe we should try selling advertising. Then you're like building features for advertising. It's like, okay, but what about like the email and timetable stuff and like the stuff for students? Yeah. So you start getting into this conflict of where where are we actually targeting how are we going to sell this and i think we kind of decided that advertising or sponsors would be a thing but we didn't want to fully invest in that as the business strategy because it was a lot of effort to sell these ads and it became um counterproductive to spend all our time trying to sell ads to local companies that didn't really want to pay that much for it so did you guys have a deadline on this of um, course, yeah. So we were doing this in summer 2014 and we wanted to launch in Freshers Week, which was October uh, 2014. So we needed to get it done that summer. Yep. And this was iOS and Android that got this update. 
so at this time it was parity again once again oh, finally <laughs> um yeah and, and with that deadline i mean the the base that we had at the shack was fantastic and um i mean the summer this time summer we were working full time it wasn't like the last summer where we had a time to to build new features and things so yeah it it was pushed but i think we managed to do it yeah we did and we managed to get some help from like some friends as well uh to actually help because time was just an issue we were running out of time um because we were doing the full-time thing at the, yep. at the same time as part of the the business strategy as as ross said um kind of selling to universities and, and things like that as part of the the offering of UniApp, we we also investigated ideas around kind of different apps um that we could branch off like i think our name was like uni chat or yep. uni something or other uni and then add something to the end of it and that'll be a separate service um so we, we bounced off lots of different ideas like this um because we've got this base UniApp was kind of the base uh, app we got at this point majority of students were using it so we could then branch off different services off this um acting as kind of a middle framework any service that we offered would ultimately be get like free advertisement because we'd be able to pitch it to ourselves and get downloads and things like that so it was a really good platform for us to launch new stuff um so we did explore that quite heavily during that phase i remember us talking kind of for hours and and days about different services that we could offer what um, kind of services did you have in mind um well the the, the the chat one was pretty pretty uh thought through it was it was a year before yik yak as well so mm. I was a bit annoyed we didn't continue with that um but then whatsapp groups as well works yeah. pretty well that's kind of why we didn't do it it's because we saw major competition on that mm. yeah um yeah so there's there's uni uni chat which was kind of aimed at um there's lots of lots of different approaches but it was kind of either consumer friendly well consumer based so it was purely like student student chat um or playing on the student angle we would say okay lecturers could get involved as well um so it replaced kind of blackboards comments and thread uh, format instead it would be talking about a module if a student had a particular question they could easily contact their lecturer through this this chat app um so it was kind of building on that um we also wanted to launch like a marketplace um for selling or buying books or it's the <laughs> classic business <laughs> idea isn't it That's or wha- whatever service you need on campus um there's a lot of transactions going on on campus and we we still feel that today um but like facebook marketplace and gumtree it is is very much solving that problem i i don't think that's well, I, don't, I don't know it's debatable but is is for all these business ideas of a marketplace is there actually a uni marketplace like does it exist uh there i've seen ones that are like really specific so there's like a book marketplace targeted at universities but i don't i don't know yeah there's probably i don't know i don't know yeah probably probably a lot of splash pages (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely as part of the marketplace that we wanted to launch um I think an initial trial of this was um, me setting up a repair sort of <laughs> business. Um, I forgot about this. So, at, because UniApp was such widely used, we could easily add a new link onto the app. So, as part of the app, we had like a sponsored um, little 
little view. Halfway kind of down the down the page. It was on the home page, so we got a lot of eye shots. And as part of that, I kind of said, um, I think it was like laptop and mobile repair um, service. Something like just one line. Um, and I wanted to make this as like a proof that this platform kind of worked and um, it got a lot of conversion. So I put that up um, maybe one on a Monday or something. And we got I got a lot of inquiries that week, probably uh, three or f three, four, um, the first first week. Um, all pro kind of students broken their laptops or spilt coffee over their keyboard or uh, smashed the screen because they dropped it or whatever it was. <laughs> um, they emailed in and they said, oh, can you repair this? I was like, well, okay, we've got the shack. We've got a, an office space. <laughs> so uh, uh, I'd say, okay, uh, meet here at six o'clock and uh, drop their laptop off and then next day it'll be fixed. Uh, so we kind of launched this initial kind of repair service and it got really popular and... Um, and people started referring other people to it. It was, cra <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I, I had, um, I had, I had some minimal experience of like fixing my own computer. <laughs> YouTube helped a lot during this phase, <laughs> um, but it, it was just uh, a really good, good like proof of concept that okay, people came to, people trusted it, um, and people got in contact, and yeah, it was a great little experiment, and unfortunately, I had to close that because it got too busy. <laughs> <laughs> We tried to find a student to take it over. We um, did, yeah. But no one really... Did you know that there are other people <laughs> outside of the campus that aren't students? <laughs> <laughs> well, Everything we we we, uh, we wanted to refer... Um, uh, we wanted to build a, a relationship with a, another repair company outside of the university to mm -hmm. then refer her onto it. But I don't know. I don't think that ever came into anything. Um, but yeah, that's that's good good fun that does sound good actually <laughs> um another one i think we wanted to do a sport one um yeah i don't know why we <laughs> like sp to do integrating with like the university sport yeah and yeah i wasn't speaking um, on yeah so that <laughs> obviously there's a wide variety of, of different ideas here ultimately i don't think we launched one of them um, we did do travel that's true which we was did do travel um and that was, uh, that again, that was quite difficult because I was trying to build, I was basically trying to build the project without any input from anyone because I didn't want to slow it down. Because the problem that we had is that we were thinking all these products like too much. So, and this goes against like everything that we probably do now, but it was kind of just, I was just like, okay, I think I could do this travel thing, I did it investigating. And it was kind of, I wanted to recapture what made UniApp good in the first place, which was just kind of like the focus on solving mm. the core problem worry, rather than worrying about the business case. So I built this I built this app that showed local travel information in Reading, and um, yeah, I just built that. I built like an initial prototype in like a couple of weeks, and then at that point it was like I presented it, and then there was kind of like this feedback on like, oh, it does, you know, and but then it was still like really well used anyway. But it caused a bit of friction because I was working on that rather than UniApp. Well, <laughs> it was. I think your your thought process was um, we built this app for students. Um, once we, they leave uh, university, um, then they can use this app. It's kind of, we always had this idea of owning the whole life cycle of a student. Um, I think also as part of UniApp version 3, we wanted to introduce um, a pre-university phase where um, students who had just got accepted to university could download the app and view a bit more information about the university before they attended. 
um, then UNIAP would be there for their three years as an undergrad. And then after that, there'd be alumni phase as well um, for staying in contact with current students. And so there's, a, there's this whole life cycle that we dreamed up. And Travel RDG was as part of that, I think. Yeah, it was aimed at like the young professional. Like, it was basically us. Like, we just, it, yeah. it, but that's what you should do. It's like solving your own niche and yeah. scratching your own niche. And um, yeah, at that time, it, it matched more than doing stuff for students. Yeah. Which I just, I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't care about or still don't care about, but it was just not, it wasn't a problem I could relate to anymore because I'd graduated. And so I was getting a bit worried at that time that maybe we weren't talking to the customer. The, you know the end-to-end customer of yeah. the student themselves and we were starting to become not part of the problem but similar to the problem of the university's approach of treating it like a business rather than building the best product possible yeah so at this point you've been working hard on version three yeah were you ready to kind of get out there and start pitching start pitching the unit well first we had to release so we uh and to be fair, Piers led most of this. He marketed it during that uh, Freshers Week. And yeah, it got really good traction on, on release and, and really good feedback as well. People were loving it and loving the new features uh, that were put in. So yeah, and then after that point, uh, you know, we're like, cool, we didn't muck anything up. People are still enjoying it. People are still using it. So we started thinking, okay, let's now pitch mm. to the university and, and try and sell this properly. So what was your master plan, if you like? Yeah, so we kind of mentioned before, we wanted to um, uh, showcase the ability that this could have uh, because of the huge user base, um, huge considering that, I don't know, it's like 75% of students were using it, which is a uh, a good group of people for universities to either contact or to get data from or whatever it was we wanted to pitch it as okay we've got this framework um, now we can offer services uh, to utilize these users and to start building uh, value towards the university so as part of the offering I think it was um, we wanted to introduce uh, lecture feedback um, which was the ability for students to leave feedback after a, a lecture to, to the actual lecturer um, from then they could determine whether uh, module was suffering or the lecturer was uh, not as engaging as they wanted them to be and it was kind of a, a no frills uh, this lecture was good this lecture was bad and we could just easily integrate this into UNIAP um, another one was to do with student attendance um, monitoring is a big problem for students uh, universities to um, to solve and currently it's all kind of paper based so we wanted to introduce something as part of UNIAP to say Okay, it's it, because so many there was very low friction uh, to get out there. All the students had on their mobile app, so it was an easy way to for universities to kind of just start using it really. And that was kind of part of our proposal. And I think we had a couple of other ones that was more reporting based or how they actually engaged with the app, and that would ultimately show academic performance. So all these different angles, and we kind of prepared it into a pitch deck. Um, along with our usage count um, and all that stuff. And that was kind of our, our pitch. Um, so when we created that pitch deck, we then contacted um, everyone. pretty much everyone that we knew at the university and also people that we didn't know. Um, we went as high as we could up the chain 
and then yeah one day i think it, maybe well not one day it was probably months after but we got uh, a lead and they said okay let's meet um so because we had <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing now we probably wouldn't have done it now but we met them at the shack <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the shack's not the best looking place ultimately um however we were still playing the student angle um we wanted to look like we were helping well not look like that's probably about to say <laughs> we were helping we were helping um students and we wanted to kind of uh be on that angle that we cared for students we didn't really focus on um playing bigger than we were um we wanted to say what we were kind of up front and that was part of the pros already we wanted to work with the university to solve these problems and hopefully get them invested in it and kind of start kind of driving it because at this point the apple's out for four or five years um and we just wanted to push it to the next level yeah and even in that point we weren't you know obviously the preferred solution was you buy kind of our solution and our platform but that wasn't necessarily our pro entire proposal is more like let us help you build this what you know whatever you're doing just let us in and and let us be part of it because yeah. we we've got experience in this area we've been doing it four or five years and uh, what what were you asking for from them what did you want uh money so lump sum yeah so it was i think it was a um licensing agreement it was based i think it was around a pound per student yeah i can't remember if it's per year or per month okay. per year i think yeah which was not a huge amount in terms of some of the investments that they mm -hmm. have made. And so, yeah, so Steve was alluding to this meeting. So we managed to get basically the person who's in charge or allegedly in charge of finance for the entire university somehow, as well as um, someone else who was in charge of kind of, I think, procurement or business development at that point. And yes, yeah, so they turned up and, you know, it was obviously a huge meeting. This is like a big meeting so far we've, we've, we've had. And, uh, we were really nervous. We, you know, prepared. We, put, I think we like ran through it loads of times. Um, rented out the meeting room in the shack, which was just two tables put together, and invite. Yeah, invited them in. I think we got some little biscuits and everything. You know, went all out. Mm. And uh, they came in, offered them tea and coffee, uh, biscuit. Polite no. So we're like, okay, I can tell how this is going to go, and. Um, yeah, they sat down. We did the pitch, which I think they listened to about five minutes of. And one of them was practically falling asleep. And the pitch was engaging enough. They just already weren't. They were They were there because they had to be there. Someone had told them to go. And I believe it was the vice chancellor that told them to go. So they were there kind of, yeah, just kind of there. And then within five minutes, one of them interrupts and goes, okay, let, let us tell you where we're at with kind of this... Uh, strategy of ours um, okay so we were like okay for the first time we've a we're actually hearing what they're what they're doing and being let in and they essentially said we've got a roadmap we've got a plan it's currently being implemented by um, a very large accounting firm and they are basically heading up a, a huge overhaul of all the technology stack across the university and this will include mobile resource so we're like okay Okay, so, yeah, what do you do after that point? You're basically told a flat no. It's not going to be, a, you know, a possibility for for quite a while. So we we kind of had to s stand back and be like, okay, let's try elsewhere. 
and we'll try and prove it in other universities and then ultimately they'll come back because we, we were always convinced that and I think we had heard this line before of oh, we're, we're evaluating we're evaluating and it seems to be this term for university to say we're just not buying right now and they you know it's always like that unless it's a proper urgent need um, and it was very frustrating obviously for us because we, we could see that they just weren't thinking of this in terms of the value offered to students and the value add to students they just weren't interested in that proposition they were just interested in a bit about the bottom line and also just like it's that you know someone else is already taking care of this allegedly but it, you know it will transpire that this problem this problem probably doesn't get solved in four years or or five for some random reason so what happened after that um well i think we i don't think we were surprised i think we kind of saw it's somewhat coming because of the general communication with university. It was always a bit frosty. We we never saw the 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 real. It was very much reading between the lines with email communication and talking to them. They were always like very like yeah, yeah it sounds great. Um, we want to do this. We want to do that. But there's always a problem, and we don't ever know what the problem is. Whether it's someone uh, higher up saying no or whether it's a time thing or whether it's a money thing. We never really got the true um, reason of why they're saying no or why they're not doing it right now. Um, throughout all this stage, we were ready to go the next day. Um, we were like ready at every point of, of communication with them. Um, but it just, yeah, it just never transpired and we never really got the clear vision of, um, you know, why they're saying no. And it's very hard for us to go um, and argue against it or to think of a different an angle because, yeah, we just didn't know at this stage. It's extremely frustrating. So at that point, did you uh, pack up the shack <laughs> and uh, head on your way to your full-time job? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think so we kind of tried out a little bit at uni other universities so we launched in Kent University or mm -hmm. University of Kent and pretty much immediately got threatened uh, they were going to sue us for it so that didn't last long for now it's about four or five days uh, didn't get sued um, after that we yeah after that it was it was very it was very much clutching at straws there was no real plan after that point we kind of were waiting for the university to, f for this miraculous hope that they were going to turn around and go, actually, guys, we need we need you to help us. Um, I think I had accepted that that wasn't going to happen anytime soon, at least. We had to wait for this vision or roadmap that um, the university had spent a lot of money to, to get these consultants in to help with that. And it was like a multi-year thing, and some of that was coming very soon. Some of it was coming in the distant future. So I just thought, okay, let's let's see where they get let's see where they get to. They you know, ultimately the goal is to make lives better for students. Um, let's see if they do that. And if they don't, then maybe we'll come back to it. So Piers, who was working full time, what what's yeah. the kind of communication there like? Yeah, Piers was pretty bummed out by that result. We all were. Um yeah. I mean he had been working um I can't remember how long 
seven, eight months, maybe, at this point. And this was kind of the final, I think the final thing that kind of led him to, okay, maybe I should start looking at else, something else to do. Yeah, we were starting to run out of cash as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of lost lost a lot of motivation. Um, it really took a brunt out of us and focus was all over the place. And, yeah, we, we kind of struggled at that point. So Piers um, decided that he wasn't probably going to continue doing this. Um, I think he found a couple of freelance and consulting roles and then ultimately joined a, another company from that going full-time. Um, so, yeah, at, at that point, we were, we were a bit lost. Um, and I think we also, between myself and Ross, were um, working on some other things and wanted to kind of switch to another product for the time being to try and motivate ourselves again, motivate ourselves. Yeah, it was just step step away and, and see what the university can do. And if they solve the problem, that's good. But if not, then we'll need to try and solve it for them again. Yep. We basically didn't want to burn that relationship as well. Um, there was kind of talk, very light talk of like, we should get the students to help us. We should try putting stuff in the app to try and motivate students to like email the vice chancellor, blah, blah, blah. Um, we, did, we never did any of that because we didn't want to get to the stage where the university were angry with us we they they whether whether it's right or wrong they could always issue uh some legal um argument to say that we should take down the app and um if you know we didn't want that to happen we still wanted it to maintain a useful and be a useful resource for for students so we we kind of left it as it is we didn't want to provoke anyone they it seemed to be this non-spoken agreement um of you know, they won't sue us as long as we don't do anything too provocative. Which worked at that time because we just needed some time away to reevaluate and see if there were other opportunities that we could pursue. So you kept the shop door open. You didn't close close shop on UniApp. No. No. We we just um switched focus from like development focus, I would say. When I say focus I mean we didn't work on anything development wise towards it. We still thought about it and thought of different ideas around how we could pitch it or go to different universities or whatever it was. But yeah, I think we just kind of took a step back and the numbers were still increasing. We still got um, a lot of new students using it every every year. Um, yeah, it was just we weren't kind of actively engaged with it. Um, so it was kind of, it was there, but we just kept an eye on it rather than making it our core focus. Yeah, it it was also quite a frustrating time internally because everyone had different ideas of how we could turn this around and how we could uh you know either push this or, or do something else i i was from from that meeting onwards i kind of checked out of the fact that the university were ever going to buy this i don't know i still don't know to this day why um but you know we can speculate but it was just kind of like okay it's a fact that it's not going to happen and and i i think uh, you know we're a talented we're a talented bunch we can focus our efforts elsewhere and probably make the you know the same amount of money or more money and have our own freedom and do what we want if we just focus elsewhere others you, they uh, a bit a bit more hopeful they you know they obviously didn't want to give up the dream they didn't want to give up the dream that every student would be using this officially um that that quickly because we'd had so many no's at that point that what you know one more no that shouldn't really change it but it's like you're getting it's a big no you're getting 
the people that are in charge of the budget, in charge of the purse strings, saying it's not going to happen anytime soon. I think, I thought, yeah, we should listen at that point. Okay, so we're going to have a part three of the uni app story because although it may sound like it, it's not it's not over. It's not (laughs) over just yet. Um, So you went and got jobs at this point. Well, we're already working still at this point. So it's kind of like, okay, maybe we should focus on on that and uh, kind of see what we could do with Airbyte as a product studio, as a product entity, rather than just trying to sell UniApp. What else could we do? Okay, so we'll find out in the next episode um, how Stephen Ross came to revisit UniApp sometime later.